you have come uh, more recently and you don't know the history. And, you know, Pastor Bart did this series of sermons on story. You know, our story, his story, your story. Well, the story of fullness is like this. In the beginning, God created Bart. (laughs) And he soon found out that it was not good for Bart to be alone. So then he created Greg. So he might live in the garden of fullness. Anyway, Pastor Greg came right after our church started. He was the uh, first hire after Bart. He started out and worked his way up from janitor to children's pastor to youth pastor to associate pastor and then back down to custodian. But anyway, no, he's done everything at fullness for 10, 15 years. Uh, then he went out to start a church in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he is uh, very involved in city ministry uh, throughout Tuscaloosa. He's gone around the world himself and then with Pam and his family uh, from every continent just about doing ministry work for missionary stuff. And the list goes on and on. And he's added to his recent list uh, an author, which I'll let him mention that. So he's now a published author. Uh, so it's, you know, it's really a pleasure to have Greg back because he's preached many, many times for us that know him. And for some of you, this will be your first taste of glory. But before we bring him up, TV. Would you come down and have, let's pray for him? I would get all the elders up, but Pam, just, just join Greg right here. I just want to bless him and have TV do this. Other elders can join us, but I was going to let TV stand in. This was unplanned. It's, the Holy Spirit's got control right now. Father, we thank you for this life. We thank you for the heart of the man. We thank you for the heart of the woman. We thank you for the gifts that you've invested in them and how they're returning them unto you for the work in the kingdom. God, we thank you for everything their life touches. And we ask you to just move in a mighty way. Move in every aspect. Bless, touch, keep, heal. God, restore in every front. We thank you for Greg. We thank you for Pam. We thank you for their lives. And we thank you for what you're yet going to do with them for the glory of God, for the expansion of the kingdom, and for your, your everlasting glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I don't know why I have to break Bart's shoulder to get over here. There actually is an easier way. Just, uh, no, I, it, was, it was amazing. I was over here last weekend helping my son. Wait a minute, I messed up. Okay, you're supposed to release the children. Children? Under age of 22, you're released. I mean, sixth grade or whatever. <laughs> supposed to release the children. Who knows? Maybe they wanted to stay. I don't know. Amen. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today, uh, I think. I hope uh, the Lord, i got some lists. I don't normally have a lot of lists, but uh, as we go through, there's some things for you to be able to write down. Uh, just to give you an update on kind of my world, uh, Last summer, Moody Radio uh, did some financial adjustments, and so I'm no longer a morning DJ. The whole morning program was cut, and so I kind of lost that job. Uh, For those that did listen to it, uh, I'm thankful for those few that did. Um, So I had to lose my DJ voice. Uh, So uh, with that, we were like, what are we going to do? And both Pam and I felt like we were supposed to stay in Tuscaloosa, uh, and I needed some insurance, and so I needed a tent-making job, something to keep it uh, kind of our family going so that we could do ministry in the city. 
Uh, I became a, a Tuscaloosa City School bus driver. I drive the big yellow bus, and I have kids that uh, uh, affect my prayer life every day. <laughs> now, what I didn't know is that uh, school bus, when I was a kid and you were a kid, you got on, and if you got in trouble, you could spank the kids. You can't do that now, right? So that was the thing I, I remember. But uh, the reason is they have cameras on the bus. And I knew that they, you know, they videotaped everything that was going on. What I didn't know is they had audio. And so for the first two or three months, they got an earful of my singing and worship on the way to my uh, first. <laughs> I, 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 I'm still thinking, well, I don't know. I know they don't listen to everything, but I'm just going to keep singing there. But, uh, but it, it did tone me down a little bit once I went in and heard the first audio from, from that. And so uh, they weren't giving me any recording records at that point or anything. So I knew, I knew kind of that uh, I needed to keep that day job, right? So it does help with our family. Pam and I are doing ministry in the city. Uh, we uh, both are engaged in international ministry. Uh, we both help lead Bible studies. I, I go on campus and have anywhere from three to six guys that we go study the Bible together. It's fun. I, if you've never had an opportunity for someone, I, just uh, about two weeks ago, uh, I had two guys there, and he goes, I got my Bible. Now, see, what he was saying was, I've never owned one of these in my entire life. And the other guy got really close next to him, and they shared reading of the scriptures together as we were going through just the life of Moses. And they would read a, a passage and look up. And I'm telling you, that's uh, if you want to be, uh, you don't have to know a lot of scripture to just sit down and read it with somebody who's never read it before. Very, very powerful. So she and I are engaged in the international ministry and uh, doing that uh, uh, throughout our city. Uh, Pam also, as you know, is, coordinates major events like the backpack giveaway. It was close to 2,400 backpacks that we gave away this past summer in nine different locations, eight of them on the same day. Now, that's a lot of coordinating, right? So that's a lot of coordinating. But Pam has that uh, gift and ability, and that rolled over. She actually did the Salvation Army Angel Tree Ministry, worked with them to be able to uh, help a lot of kids have a great Christmas. And so we're just engaged in, in uh, working with pastors and prayer events, kind of a city ministry underneath Hope for My City. Uh, but in looking at what I'm to do, this uh, as I said, God, what am I gifted at? And I did one of those Myers-Briggs tests, you know. You, you, you're familiar with those. Wanted to see what my person, per, personality profile was. And what I was looking for was somebody that, you know, kind of the job where I could make millions of dollars, right? So I was, did my profile to look for that person, and I said, now I'm going to pursue that vocation. And when I did it, I was so disappointed because all the professions for mine were like teachers and priests and people that like to work with the poor, and I, I didn't see one millionaire person in my profile. Not one. I looked, I said, nah, you know, and they said, oh, these are the people. In fact, here's what it said for me. They said, it's best if you go find somebody that wants to support you in life. I was like, no way. I mean, I, I knew that. I told my kids, everybody else is making money. I'm thinking, what is this? How did you give that to me, God, right? So uh, another thing it said about there is that you're usually gifted in writing. So I said, if that's the case, I said, this year I'm going to be a writer. And I'd already had a lot of writings that I'd done in the past for my kids, but I said, I'm going to actually just, if that's what I'm supposed to be good at, well, then I'm just going to write. And so I write in a blog every day. Uh, there's going to be information out there if you want to, 
read that. I just use a scripture verse, write a little bit about it, do some commentary, a little devotional. It's longer than the little devotionals. Mine are kind of a little bit longer in there. But, uh, but it just uh, what God has showed me to do is grab a verse out of each chapter of the Bible and continue to do that so I've got the whole Bible covered. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I was in Isaiah. Man, Isaiah 40 through the end of it is rich. If you just want to hang out with God, uh, that's some great stuff. And that's kind of where I started. I'm in Romans now. And I'm in Romans 8, which is where we're getting the sermon today out of. I'm in Romans 8, and I was supposed to do one verse out of Romans 8, and it ended up about six or seven entries out of Romans 8. It's just so rich. Uh, the book is out there. Uh, KP uh, really encouraged me, uh, along with Hannah Shoup, just to finish it. And so just the fact that I've finished something, just a little devotional book. It, there'll be one out there, Pam, Melody, somebody be out to help you with that. But uh, when I ended with Moody Radio... One of the things I did was I would start the morning off with a scripture and a prayer. And I kind of realized that I did something so naturally that a lot of people, maybe maybe they could do it, maybe not. But I just said, what would happen if I just taught people how God talked to me as I looked at the scripture? And so that's all that goes through Romans 12, kind of one or two verses at a time. And I just try to tell you how God was speaking to me. He may speak entirely different to you. That's okay. But uh, there are some patterns or some principles of the way that God speaks or for you to be able to turn that into a prayer for your life. And so that's called praying the scripture. It's out there. All right. If you turn to Romans chapter 8, 14, we'll go to the next slide. We'll just read it here together. Let me have a word of prayer before, and then we'll, we'll jump into the sermon. Lord, very simple prayer that we pray. Four words. Lord, speak to me. And we trust in the same way that you have been here already this morning through the power of your spirit. We ask that God you would speak to us through your word uh, through this time together. In Jesus name. Amen. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him the spirit we cry Abba Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The phrase that uh, hit me as I was praying for this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. We're going to learn a little bit about what that means to lead. We're going to learn about uh, kind of what God intends for that and and how many Christians in the American church especially, uh, we don't fully understand that phrase of what it means to be led. And I'll share more about that with you later. So who is this spirit and how does he lead? Who is this spirit and how does he lead? Well, he is God. He's a third part of the Trinity. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I'm just going to give you just a lot of things about this spirit. You, this is Some of this stuff you may be thinking, well, this is, I already know this. I know it too, but I'm telling you, as you just get the whole picture of it, you appreciate his work in your life. Secondly, he is the full expression of Jesus on the earth. He's the full expression of Jesus on the earth. Have you thought about that? When Jesus went away to heaven, he said, I'm sending the spirit. He will teach and guide you in all these things, but he will tell you about me. If people want to know what Jesus looks like, it is through the power of the spirit operating in every single one of our lives. 
the full expression of Jesus. Somebody said, well, if Jesus were on the earth, this is how he would heal people. If Jesus were on the earth, this is how he would interact with those that are lost. If Jesus was on the earth, and he is. His body, represented by the people of Christ, is the full expression of Jesus on the earth. In you, in me, no limitation on who Jesus wants to be except as it flows through us. He's the spirit, the full expression of Jesus on the earth. Third, he's the advocate that comes alongside you. Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's better that I go away because I'm only one person standing here, but through the power of the Spirit, I could be standing next to every one of you at any moment all the time. He is the advocate that is there with us to lead us and guide us. Fourth, he's the baptizer of the power and of boldness. He's a baptizer of power and boldness. Can't tell you how many Christians walk around defeated because we're not walking in the power and the boldness that's available to every single child of God. As many as are children of God, those are the ones that are being led. You should have power and boldness in your life. Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything, disciples, until the Holy Spirit falls upon you. Then you shall receive power and boldness to be my disciples. Right? So for every one of us, we have that opportunity for the power and the boldness of Jesus Christ to be on our life that is not our natural tendency. Things that you will do, you will do because the power of the Spirit is leading you and you have His power abiding within you. In fact, that word power is the Greek word from dunamis, which means dynamite. You have dynamite power within inside of you to do the things just like Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Next, He's the equipper of gifts and the producer of spiritual fruit. He's the equipper of gifts. In other words, how, how, do I, how did I get this gift that I was telling you about earlier? Well, the Holy Spirit knew that it fit me. How do you get the gifts that you have in the body of Christ? The Holy Spirit looks at you and knows you perfectly and says, this is your spiritual gift. This is your part of the body. This is what you're going to do. This, for my body to be healthy, this is you. This is how you get to be a part of it. Produce a spiritual fruit. You don't have to make fruit happen. You just have to abide in the vine, and the Spirit produces the fruit. So the key is abiding in the vine, and He will produce the fruit. And by the way, the fruit is not for yourself. Fruit is for others to enjoy. Right? So when you say, God, I just want to be more loving, it's not so that you're loving and you feel loving. It's for other people to experience love from you. When, when you're asking to be more patient, it's not so that you are in control of your self-control patience. It's that others get the experience of you being patient with them. So that fruit is for other people, and the Spirit wants them to be able to taste it. So He produces that fruit in our lives. So some of the situations that we go through is because He's producing that fruit. And, and it comes through those circumstances. He is the guarantor of the promises of Jesus. The guarantor of the promises of Jesus. In other words, how do we know all this is going to happen? The Spirit was placed inside of us, and everything that Jesus says He wants to accomplish in our life will come true. That Spirit is in there. It's a deposit He makes in us to say, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to finish the work that I started in you. The, that deposit is made from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's a person that speaks, and he can be grieved. So he's not an it, he's not just a, a force, a power, as in Star Wars. 
He's not that. He's a person. And he has the ability to speak to each one of us. He has the ability to do that. And he also has the ability to be grieved that we can hurt his feelings to say. I know that's... All right, I need to show you something here. TV, come up here. Quickly. Yep. All right, you're good right here. All right, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to put your hands over your eyes so you can't see. I want to turn you around a couple times. There you go. Okay. I want you to go sit by Dotsie and Durrell. Don't open your eyes. All right. Uh, David, come here. All right. Now, David, I, I, want, I want to help you be able to cover your eyes. I want to help you be able to sit. Don't look. Don't cheat. I got to make sure he don't, don't cheat. I want, you to, I want you to come. I want you to sit by. And you sit by Larry. And just follow my voice. David, follow us. Come this way, David. Come this way. Come on, keep walking. Walk a few more steps. Walk a few more steps. Walk a few more steps. All right, I want you to come to your left a little bit. Come to your left. Turn around. Turn around. All right. Slide over to your right a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Now you can move back a little bit. You can feel the chair. All right, sit down. Okay, that's good. All right, thank you, David. Thank you, TV. You're close. <laughs> All right, that was, I know that was a little silly, but can I, let me tell you what happens here. We become Christians, and we have this commission that we know that says, uh, make disciples, and uh, you're going to end up in heaven. And for most of us, we feel like TV, that we've been given a command, but we're not really sure how we're to accomplish it. And we know it's the right command. We know it came from God. We know we're supposed to end up in heaven. We know we're supposed to do those things. But for most people, here's what happens. They hear Jesus lead them into salvation. And then after that, they feel like they close their eyes spiritually and they wander through just kind of hoping that they're making the right moves toward what God would want for them. Anybody feel like that at times? I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's like we start living back underneath the Old Testament kind of mentality that God's given us a lot of laws that we know we're supposed to obey, but we're not exactly sure how to get there. This, this passage we're looking at today is the key to that. The Spirit can lead every single person in here. In the way that is just right for you. In the same way that I know my son David and I was able to lead him to where he needed to be just by following my voice. The Spirit leads us in the same way. So how does he lead? Well, he leads through a variety of ways. He speaks softly, first of all. These are just ways for you to notice the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Spirit speaking to you. He speaks softly. Very rarely does he shout, even when you do wrong. That's not his temperament. Right? He speaks softly. He usually asks us to follow and not push. I could have easily turned to David and said, this is how I want you to go, and grab him by the arms and made him sit down there. And he would have ended up in the same place. But that's not the way the Spirit leads. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and they hear me, and they follow me. And when I tell them to come out in green pasture, they follow me, and they come out, they know my voice. They're following him. Jesus didn't say I hit him over the head and say, listen up. That's not how the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you. I'm saying this because the opposite of that voice would be the enemy. 
right? And so a few of these I'll talk about just to how his voice sounds, but the Spirit's voice is always leading. It's like a, you always have a choice. Man, if I obey God, if I do what he's asking me to do, I don't know how it's going to work out, but there's a choice. You, you can feel that tension of choice with inside of you of deciding to follow him. You may say, I don't want to go out to green pasture today. It's very comfortable in the pen. It's cold out there and wet. And I just Today I want to stay in the pen. Why would I want to go out to green pasture? So you have a choice to follow that leading of the Spirit. It's simple things like uh, whether you would actually talk to somebody. You feel like the Lord said, hey, stop and pray for that person. He's like, I don't even know them, right? So it's a leading. You have a choice to obey or disobey. I recently, uh, uh, Jonathan uh, is out in Texas, and I helped Melissa get out there. And so I drove out there with their car, and then I flew back. And when I flew back, I, I took Southwest and uh, looked through you know, a flight, and the one I found took me to Tampa first, right, instead of coming to Birmingham. So I had to go to Tampa first, and people were like, why are you going to Tampa? Isn't there a direct flight? I said, yeah, it costs a little more, but I just feel like I'm supposed to go to Tampa first. I thought, why am I going to Tampa first? (laughs) I don't need to use my time that way. Why is that happening? So I got on the plane, didn't meet anybody on the plane on the way there really to speak of. I'm in the Tampa airport, and I'm thinking, I'm only 30 minutes from my house. It would be nice to get out of this airport for a few minutes and go see, you know, family. I said, no, it's here. I'm just getting back on. I get back on the plane, one of the last ones to get on. I get all the way to the back, and I look over, and I said, I think I know that guy. And I look at him, and he did the dead stare, like, no. You know, you usually wait for, oh, hey, yeah, nothing, right? There was nothing. So I'm looking over, and I'm thinking, I must not know him because there was nothing. So I go sit down uh, one seat behind him, and I think, it's got to be him. Man, I haven't seen him in, in a few years. Uh, we both look older. You know, I don't look the same way I did a few years ago. And uh, Dally, I said, but it's got to be him. So I started calling out. I said, I mean, we're buckling up. We're about to taxi. And he doesn't have anybody sitting by him. And I'm like, man, it's got to be him. David. Said his name out loud. No answer. I said, I know he didn't hear me. David. You know, I said a little louder. I'm thinking everybody's like, oh, no, they're going to look at Why is that guy saying things out loud? And so when he did, he tilted his head. And I said, I knew that was him. I'm coming beside you. Now, the embarrassing part in all this story is that actually he's my cousin. <laughs> but here's the deal. I was just writing. I was finishing up my, my morning text that I send out on Sunday mornings. It was Sunday. I was traveling. I was finishing up. I was talking about how to hear the voice of the Lord. And inside of me, I'm sitting one seat back, and I, I know I can either say something now or when I get off the plane, say something and wonder if that was him. And I felt like the Lord was saying, will you trust me and just do something different than sitting there, right? And uh, so I I could feel that. So I ended up asking him, you know, and so we sat down together. And I realized with all the family events, I'd never sat with him for an hour ever in my entire life. Because you just, you just, you play, you eat, you you have interruptions. But here we're on a plane. And he and I had the best discussion about God, about families, about our, our, our grandfather. And, uh, and then the Lord led me into some things that I needed to pray for him for. And so I, I chuckled to myself, why did I go to Tampa? See, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, you, that, you know, I planned to go to Tampa, but God had other things in mind in the planning. He also says about the spirit, he said, you know, the wind comes. We don't know where it's going, but we can feel the wind upon us. So is everyone who is led by the spirit of God. It doesn't mean you don't plan. 
It just means that in the, in the following his leading, you see how God interacts with you. Uh, he speaks uh, through impression. Oh, his voice is not controlling nor condemning. All right, so the enemy would want to control you. Here's a good control. And uh, if you feel like you need to purchase something because it's going to be gone if you don't purchase it, that's usually controlling. You need to wait. Now, with that, Mark Calvin, go ahead and sell them the vehicle anyway. All right? If it's Mark Calvin, that's not controlling or anything. Go ahead and buy it. TV, y'all go ahead and, it's, yeah, I know, I'm getting on you. Impulse buying is good. You got three days to give it back if you don't like it, right? All right. Another one is he speaks through impressions. He speaks, uh, in other words, you may not always hear a word where Greg, he says, Greg, get up and go over there. It may just be an impression. You just, you just feel something. And for some of you, that may be how God speaks to you is through impressions. I feel like today I'm supposed to X. And you, and you don't really have a, a, a conversation inside, but you feel a tugging in your heart that you need to move in the direction that the Spirit is leading. Another one, he speaks through other members of the body of Christ. I told you that the full expression of Jesus is in his body, which means in some ways it's not just with inside me, although he's all present. I understand that. But it means that he, from the moment that you become a Christian, God has just put you as part of his body, which means you need the other parts to speak into your life. That's why no one is supposed to just stay home and worship God only by themselves. It's not the picture of Christ. Christ is the head and he has a body and the body supports itself. And so there are many times that, that God can speak through other members of the body in your life. It, it's so many different ways that that can happen, right? So even serving you, it could be a handshake, it could be a hug, it could be a smile, it could be a word. There's uh, uh, it, it, so many different ways, but the body ministers and God speaks through his body. Not just from the person standing up here, the body. God speaks through his body. So you have a part to play. It means every one of you have a part to play. It may be that you only talk to one other person, but you have no idea how that person's going to impact so many others. Okay? So God speaks through his body. His voice is always corrective, not destructive. It's corrective. In other words, he usually says, Greg, stop doing this, and I want you to do this. He doesn't just say, you're awful for doing that. All right, that's destructive. He didn't just come and, and accuse me and tell me how wrong I am. It, it, his voice is corrective. So if you are sinning, for whatever it is, maybe it's overeating. He won't just say, you're such a slob, look how fat you're getting. All right, that's the enemy. He'll say, you know I told you not to pick that fork up on the last bite of the dessert. And you did it anyway. Next time, don't order dessert. All right, it'll be, it'll be corrective in that kind of lead. That's the leading of the, so if you're having that kind of a conversation in your head, you may be going, why am I thinking that way? It's the Spirit of God leading you. It's not just you having a conversation about, well, maybe I shouldn't eat so much. Listen to the leading of the Spirit in your life. He usually leads through the next step and not just general ideas. He didn't just say, way out there, Greg, I just want you to go. He says, here's what I want you to do today. Here's the next step. The word is a light into our path, a lamp into our feet. It's, it's the close thing. You should be listening. And, and, and the thing is, if I'm taking a step here and I'm taking a step here and I'm taking a step here, I will be exactly where God wants me out here, even though I didn't know that's how he wanted me to get there. But because of the faithfulness of one step after another, I end up exactly where God wants me in my life. I know there's detours. I know sometimes we disobey which is the last one there, his voice softens 
if not obeyed. That's the grieving that I talked about earlier. So if you're, if you're wondering, if you're wondering, Greg, I want to be led by the Spirit of God. If you're wondering, how can I do that? It's very possible that your disobedience to his voice has made his voice become more silent. He's still there. He just likes to be acknowledged first, not last. And so his voice softens many, many times when it's not obeyed. That's an area for us to repent and say, the songs we were singing, your presence is all I want, all I need. You get back to that and saying, it's not all the other things that are asking for my affection. It is your presence that I desire more than anything. All right, next. Next. Was there a picture of anybody up there or is that later? Oh, yeah, there we go. I forgot to mention, we became grandparents this past year, so I just threw that in there just for no reason, okay? <laughs> and we're going to be grandparents again this year. So, so we're excited. I just threw that in there. I said, you know what? I was going through and I said, hey, I'm a grandparent. And so I wasn't a grandparent last time I spoke. I am now, so that's something different. All right. Back to no more slavery or fear, all right? The scripture says that uh, we've not been given a spirit of slavery leading again to fear. Who's your master? Who do you think of as responsible for your life today when you woke up? As long as you feel like you are responsible for your life, you're not letting the spirit lead. You see, the deal was, sin was master over your life before you become a Christian. In Romans 6 and 7, Paul talks a lot about this. Sin shall not have mastery over you. He talks about a new life that we've entered into. But he talks about the fact that for all, however long it was before you were saved, sin, the control of sin was the master in your life. And so even if you wanted to do good, you continued to choose to do wrong. Sin was master in our life. Jesus, because of the blood of Christ, breaks that power of sin. We're freed from the power of sin. It's no longer mastery. All this is in Romans chapter 6. It no longer should have mastery over us because of the power and the presence of Jesus Christ within our life. But the second thing that happens is because we've had such a pattern of thinking with sin is that even though the power and the master of sin is broken, now that fleshly thinking is our master. It's Jesus, I know. But I'm saying what controls most people is the fleshly wrong thinking that we, we built into habits, built into ruts in our lives. So even though we want to follow God and even though we've been set free from our past, we continue to choose wrong actions. And when we choose those wrong actions, what happens is fear comes in. There's all kinds of fear that, that is, uh, dominates our life. There's all kinds of fear that comes and dominates our life. And so even though we want to do good, we're just controlled by fear. We're afraid of what people think. In fact, usually when you want to share the gospel, that's usually what the first thought that comes. If I go to it, what are they going to think about me? They're going to think I'm a weirdo. They're going to think, I mean, just instantly we get stopped right at that point because of fear. And we don't even know how to name it many times. But fear of man, fear of what people think, fear of being a failure, fear of of uh, losing control, fear, fear of all those things come in our lives, and, and, and we need to break free. And so he says the Spirit is not giving you 
A spirit of slavery that leads again to that kind of fear. Now, he also steps into the next part of this, and we'll look at it in just a second, because he talks about a relationship. And the relationship he talks about is the relationship between a father and a son. And when the son has disappointed the father, when that happens, there's fear. My dad's going to find out. It happened with Adam. Adam and Eve sinned. God comes, Adam, Adam, where are you? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Because I was afraid. Every one of us can raise our hands. And that's also one of the reasons why we don't really want to come close to God again. If we've sinned, we're like, oh, man. God, I don't want to come. And so there's fear in that broken relationship. See, what happened with Adam was the minute that sin occurred, he lost control of the ability to communicate. See, up to that time, he and God had this communication that just was like seamless. This was really good. moment he sinned, he didn't know what God thought about him any longer. He had no knowledge of what God thought about him any longer. I am afraid I have no idea how my father that created me is going to treat me in just a moment. He lost that ability to communicate. And that's the same thing that happens for us many times even after we become Christian. Before, we just kind of wonder, Lord, I've sinned. I don't know how you think about me. And, and what Paul is saying, I've given you this spirit because I want to take you to somewhere where you can understand that even if you mess up, it's okay. See, as long as you think that you're in control of your life, you're, you're, you're not going to understand what God's wanted to say to you. Which leads us to the next part, and that is we are adopted and not stepchildren. Not stepchildren. We are adopted and not stepchildren. Now, I am not against stepfamilies. Maybe you are a parent, a stepparent. Maybe you have stepchildren. Maybe you are a child that has stepparents. I, I'm that kid, all right? I have step-parents, and so I, I am very thankful for my stepfather. Now, when I was younger, that wasn't always easy to say, right? But I understand and see how God worked in my life, and I needed that uh, stepfather to be in my life, and I'm thankful for my stepmother. So I, what I'm about to share, I'm not really talking about physical step-families. We're going to talk about spiritual, okay, the the what happens in that. I'm going to give you some uh, ideas about adoption and the difference between that and step family. So I'm not against step families. I love the way that God allows uh, our brokenness to be made whole. Right? So if you're a step parent, this is not to be to say anything negative against you at all. But there is a higher purpose. But I can tell you that most of us as Christians, because of our sinfulness, it's hard for us to walk in the fact that we really are adopted. And not just a stepchild. You see, when a step-parent adopts their parent's child, it ends the legal relationship between that child and their other natural parent. You remember the conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees? They said, uh, he said, I, I'm Abraham's offspring. And they said, no. I said, we're Abraham's offspring. He said, no, you're of the father, the devil. Now listen to the difference again. We're not stepchildren, we're adopted. Here's some specifics about it. Usually there's a name change that occurs there. Usually a name change for those that are adopted. If you're a stepchild, you keep your same name many times. Not all the way, all the time. But that means also that you keep the identity of your former relationship. 
See, my name was not changed, so I'm part of the Rogers family, and my granddaddy was a loving father on my Rogers side, and I continued to live with my mom, but my granddaddy on my father's side ended up being a lot like a dad to us. In some ways, he was a grandparent, but a dad, and so we have we've maintained relationships with the Rogers side of the family, but that's not always the case, right? So sometimes in the step families, there's brokenness, but uh, when you're a stepchild, you, you do... Uh, Many times keep the same name. There is a legal ending of past relationships for those that are adopted. In other words, it's almost like somebody drew a line and said, your history is no longer there. You have a new history starting right at this moment. Wow. Think of this spiritually now. Think of it. This spirit of adoption says there's been a mark. Wow, it probably was at the cross, don't you think? Where the blood flowed. There's a mark right there in time where all of your old history and where you came from was now broken and you are now have a new history. That, and, you, and if you go to the cross, it gets buried right there. You cannot look beyond that because that God doesn't look beyond that. It does not exist any longer. That's the legal part of it. Paul was big on legal stuff. The child loses all uh, inheritance rights to the past family when he's adopted. In other words, he's adopted, so no longer is he able to go and say, well, wait a minute, I used to be able to do like this, and I used to have this kind of a temperament, and I used to be able to, and I was, you can't talk about your past relationship with the, with, the, with the natural parent because that's broken. You lose all inheritance right to the past family, but you gain all legal access to your new family inheritance. In other words, when you adopt a, a child, that child gets everything, is, is heir to every single thing you own. That's not the case in a step family. There are kids that grow up and the step parents never put them in the, may never put them in the wheel, may never, you don't have access to the step parents' relationship. But in adoption, you now have access to everything that belongs to the family. Later, Paul's going to say that we are heirs with Christ, co-heirs. We receive everything that God has for us. It had, we now have access to that through the Spirit of God. Uh, last thing is that the parent is legally, is legally responsible for the child forever. It's not like a foster kid that you give back to the, the family if it doesn't work out. When you adopt, you are now legally responsible for the child forever. Think about that. Our father now says, I'm assuming all liability for you to be called my child. All liability. When the enemy comes to accuse you, I'm the one that goes after the enemy. I'm assuming everything. Even if you do it wrong. Even if you blow it bad, you're my child. Even if you make some horrible mistakes, you're my child. I'm now legally responsible for you forever. That's what he does when he adopts us into his family. So let me ask you again, who's ultimately responsible for every aspect of your life? When you wake up and you have bills to pay, when you wake up and there's relationships that are not working out, are you trying to figure out for yourself how you're going to manage life? Or do you wake up saying, I have a holy father who's responsible for everything that's going on in my life? I want to follow his lead 
in what he's doing. Well, that life changes, right? And uh, we now are following him. The last point there is that there's a, when we have a relationship with the Father, it's a, we have an opportunity for intimacy dialogue with the Father. You can now talk intimately with your Father. The hallmark of that relationship is both uh, access and intimacy. Access and intimacy. In other words, you now have access to God that you didn't have before. You now have access to the, to the Father that was not available before this time. Scripture says that we are to approach the throne of grace boldly. Not just approach the throne boldly, but we do it through grace. We come to the Father through grace. We come knowing that Jesus Christ, we walk to the Father boldly through Jesus Christ, knowing that our sins are forgiven, and we have access at any moment to God. At any moment, in the middle of your sin, or or when you're worshiping, we have access to the Father. We can say, come Lord Jesus, come. We can talk to the Father, and He desires that kind of communication with us, both ways. There's There's an access there. You also, you have a language that can be intimate. You have a language that can be intimate. Now, when I say this, many of you have no idea what this would sound like. Because you never, and I mean never, had a loving conversation with your earthly father, which represents many times what we feel like God is like. He's more than that. But maybe you've never experienced a loving relationship with your father. Now, that could happen through abuse, either physical, emotional, some type of abuse. And so there was a wall built up. And so when your dad, even if he did say something nice because of the abuse, you could no longer receive it because you were so guarded. It's very possible. Someone here, that's exactly how you feel. So in the same way, you're just so afraid that God at some point is going to punish you. And so there's a wall up that won't allow you to have access or intimacy and dialogue. It could be that your dad was just absent, not a bad dad, but he traveled, maybe he did sales, maybe for whatever reason he worked long hours and, and your schedules didn't permit your dad to actually be engaged in your time and, and uh, uh, you know, you just weren't there. I remember once, for instance, I played football, my, my parents were divorced, remember, and my dad told me he was going to come to a football game. I remember the whole football game I was playing, I was looking in the stands to see if he showed up. He didn't. He got busy doing something else, wasn't able to come. And so when I see that, all right, so what happens here now spiritually, I say, God, I need you. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if he's going to be like my real dad, not show up when I need him most. Now, that's me sharing my story, but you have one. You have one probably where your dad wasn't there because we're imperfect. We, we, all dads can raise their hands. We're imperfect. We don't want to try and do things wrong. So it could be that he was just absent, not a bad person, just not there. Or it could be just his awkwardness. He never was showed love, and he doesn't know how to do it. I can remember many dads kind of holding a baby the first time. They're like, am I going to break it? If I, I mean, they just don't. Moms pick it up, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this. Dads pick it up like, I, you know, I don't know how to hold this thing. I know it's a baby. I heard somebody just saying, all right. But that happens. There's just an awkwardness among dads that, are, that we, we maybe don't know how to show love. 
or maybe we try and and it didn't work out and so it just it's just possible that that uh, it's just awkward they want to be a good father but and maybe that was your dad so give dads a break if that was the case all right and uh continue to push through that so depending on where you are when i talk about intimacy and access you may think i don't want to get close to god because he may be that that god that's like Moses and fire and everything comes down and like if we get too close to the mountain we're going to get killed the children of Israel felt that way so I said Moses you go up you you have access to him we want to stay out here from a distance this verse today is saying you don't have to stay out of the distance you're adopted you have a heavenly father that loves you and will always be faithful in your life so, but with that, dads, I just wanted to encourage you with some words quickly that you need to have in your vocabulary, which are in God's vocabulary about us. So these are just a few things that, that maybe you just need, to, if, you, if you felt awkward and you maybe don't feel comfortable saying it, you need to make sure your kids hear these things often from you. As well as, these are the same things that God speaks to us. First one is, I love you. Kids need to hear that. Whether you are good at showing your love or not, they need to hear, I love you. Needs to, this just needs to be part of your vocabulary. I love you. Another one, you are pleasing to me. Wow, can you imagine that? But remember, that's what Jesus did after baptism. This is my son in whom I'm well, what? Pleased. See, God, and guess what? This is what God's saying to you, to me. This is his words of intimacy to you. You're pleasing to him. You're thinking, what do I do for you, God? Get to know him. He says this, you are pleasing to me. Uh, another one, I love having you around. I love having you around. So many times we feel like my dad doesn't want me around. I feel like a nuisance. I feel like I get in his way. I feel like, I, dad, you need to communicate. I love having you around. Even if you're not doing anything together at that moment, just those words. Uh, fourth, you're a blessing to me and your mom. You're a blessing me to me and your mom. Kids need to know that they're a blessing, not a mistake, not a troublemaker. They need to hear, you're a blessing to me. I, I just, I get happy when you're around. Fifth, you have a purpose that is good. The child needs to know, look, you, you're not just wandering through life. You have a purpose. God has a plan for you, and it's a good plan. No matter how skilled you are, you may not be like the other child. You may not be as skilled intellectually. You may not be, and you could just, but you have a purpose that is good. And by the way, that's the same thing for each one of us because we look at somebody else and go, I'm not as good as that Christian. I don't have as many talents. I don't have as many spiritual gifts. I don't have words of knowledge. I don't have the ability to get up and speak. I'm not like that. And so you need to hear again. That you have a purpose that's good and one that the Lord says is, is pleasing to him. Uh, six, as I'm getting older, my kids are leaving the home. Then I add this one in there. We miss talking to you. Right? So some of those, I need to generate that conversation. Some of it, they could generate the conversation. But God, our Heavenly Father, would say the same thing. Can you imagine how many times we are so busy that we go throughout the day and then we say, I forgot to talk with God. The one who created heaven and earth gives us the opportunity to talk with him at any moment. Another one, I like to see your smile. Meaning that you are created in a very special way. And I love to see smiles from my kids. 
Um, and the Lord loves to see us smile. If you have daughters, they need to hear that you think they're beautiful. They need to hear that often. Hey, if they don't hear it from you dads, guess what? There's some other guy out there that's going to begin telling them stuff. And he doesn't have their best interest in heart always like you do. So they need to hear it from you. You're beautiful. If you have sons, you tell them you have what it takes to be a man. They need to hear that. You, you got it. You got the courage. You got the goods. They need to hear often. You have what it takes to be a man. They need to hear that from you. They need to know that they, uh, that means something to you. Another one, I'm always for you and I'm on your team. I am always for you and I'm on your team. Your kids need to hear that because they're going to get in trouble one day. And if they don't know that you're for them, they'll just exclude you from the conversation. They need to know, hear it, and know that you're on their team even when they bought that car you told them not to buy. They bought it anyway and it broke down. Do you think they're going to call you? If, you're, if they know that you're on their team, even if they make a bad decision, you'll call them. So in that, in talking that dialogue, we need to begin our conversations with honesty and move to transparency. Now here's the, the wrap-up of all of, all of, I know it's a lot of small stuff there. Here's a wrap-up of all of them. To be led by the Spirit is to operate in faith. I had a guy the other day, I was listening to him, we were in a small group, we were talking, and we were asking about some things we really wanted from the Lord, and he said, I want to hear God audibly. I want to hear, I want to hear God, I just have some questions, I want to audibly hear God. So we continued to ask him, now are you really talking about like out loud, hear it, or are you trying to say you just want to discern God's voice? And he went back and forth, but he said he wanted to hear it out loud. And I thought to myself, would I want to hear God out loud? I mean, it's okay if you do. I mean, that's not a problem when I want to hear God out loud. But I realized this. When Thomas was there, he said the same thing. I just need to physically see him in order to believe. And when I physically touch him or hear him, then I know I will believe. And John ended that chapter that he was talking about that and saying, Blessed are those that believe and have not seen. And what he was saying is there's going to be an element of faith in every one of our lives that's activated that that means that we don't know for sure if that's the Spirit's voice or not, but we're going to begin to act on what we believe, that it is God speaking to me. And as I see him speaking to me, then I'm going to continue to move in that direction. That's an element of faith that nobody else can do for you. You see, if God spoke out loud to us right now, I would say, wow. What an awesome service today at Fullness. We heard God speak out loud. I mean, it, I'm, I'm ready. Could come behind me could be any moment. But do you realize when we leave, there'd be somebody start thinking, now, did he fake that somehow? Was that, did, did Larry get up there and have some sort of a sound that he said, now, this is what God would sound like sound? We'd leave and we'd instantly, all of us, want to know, could we reproduce that? Or is that, was that a one-time thing? You see, the element of faith that's required means that even though we don't see it, we begin to turn in the direction of saying, God, I believe you're speaking to me and I'm responding on what I hear. What if you're wrong? Right? That's faith. There's an element that could be wrong. 
I, I usually tell you this, if, if God tells you to be more loving, more kind, to share your faith, that's usually God speaking. It's not the devil that's going to want you to be more like Jesus, ever, right? So if you have that kind of like, maybe I should just keep my mouth quiet and not say what I think I'm going to say, that's God, right? So you, you listen to it, begin to operate in faith in that way. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. In, in a couple different ways. I want to pray that we would be empowered by the Spirit. Here's one other thing about hearing the Spirit of God. Jesus said many times, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. When you become a child of God, you've been given spiritual ears. Every one of you. It's part of the equipment that comes when we were children. We, every one of us, can hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We learn some things that, he, that we think of him, maybe just from ourselves. We learn to how to discern his voice, but every one of us have ears. I want to pray for us this morning that we to hear. On the way over, specifically, the Lord told me to go to Acts chapter 2, and he said that I want to pray that they would have the spirit of prophecy on them. And flip over to Acts chapter 2, because that's not there real quick. And that's what I'm going to just play, pray for all of us this way. They were in the upper room waiting. And the Spirit of God fell. Peter stood up to preach, and then he quoted from the prophet Joel. And in 2.17, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, all people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servant, men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So I want to pray for us that the spirit of prophecy, because see how that's connected with the spirit? When he pours out, we should prophesy. And that doesn't necessarily mean a word of knowledge. It means that we get the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. That's what happened. Every one of us have that opportunity. And look, sons and daughters, men servants, maid servants, when the spirit pours out, we should be able to prophesy. As we are led by the Spirit of God. So if you close your eyes uh, for a moment. Place your hands in front of you just in a place of receiving. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your presence here with us today. And Lord, I pray for spiritual ears to be cleaned out all in this room. Myself included. Lord, they're clogged with the cares of the world. They're clogged with their own sinfulness. And I'm praying you just clear them out right now. Lord, that the image I have is that a spiritual Q-tip is going around all over the place. You're clearing it out. You're giving us opportunity to hear. Lord, I just I want you to be able to just share how you feel about each one of us. God, we're giving you access for intimacy of dialogue in our heart that we can cry out, Abba, and we can hear our Abba respond. You love us. You care about us. You think good thoughts about us. And Father, uh, as you shared in Acts chapter 2, 
this day, this day of February, Lord, I'm asking you to pour out your spirit on our lives again. Lord, I pray that you touch our tongues as you did the disciples on that day. Lord, I pray that you empower us with boldness, that we would prophesy, we would tell others about what you're doing on the earth, that we couldn't help but contain ourselves because we're overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You're pouring your spirit right now. There's nobody in here that's not worthy. Somebody's feeling like, well, I'm not worthy. That's a lie of the enemy. If you're a child of God, the Spirit doesn't lead you into slavery and fear, but He leads you into adoption. He loves you. He pours out His Spirit. He pours out His Spirit over your mind, over your thoughts, over your emotions, over your heart. Boldness, power, love. Holy Spirit, Jesus, Jesus, oneness with Jesus through the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray for the young people in here. Lord, I pray that you'd stir up visions. Stir up visions. By the way, we could all be young people. Stir up visions. I mean, that it becomes a common occurrence that God is speaking in visions, in dreams, in His Word, through our lives. The image I I picture the Lord's giving me is that uh, the dreams and visions are like in a bowl, that uh, they're all there, but the bowl is cold, so the elements and all the things that are in the bowl move slowly. The Lord is saying that he's going to increase the heat so that all that stuff that's in there begins to move freely and bubbles up. And and some of you needed to hear that, that you've been cold toward, you know that you have gifts in certain areas, but they just have been dormant and cold. And the Lord says, let the warmth of my spirit heat it up. Let that fire of God come and begin to bubble forth uh, as as that, that pot begins to boil. Because all the gifts are moving like they're supposed to be moving. Lord, I pray that. I pray that you would encourage each of us that, that the fire of God, the fire of the Holy Spirit is upon us. Lord, we, we ask for repentance where we have been cold, where we've not obeyed, where we felt unworthy, and so we haven't engaged. We ask that you repent, that we would repent. But God, we say, here am I, send me. And this morning, God, all all over this room, right now, the powerful hand of God is lifting each of us up. Give us that spirit of adoption. History's past. We get to cry out, Abba, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.